Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of About Abroad, where it's my job to introduce you to people who have built amazing lives for themselves in various foreign corners of the globe. We're talking with expats and thought leaders about moving abroad, remote work, visas, and all the fun and practical knowledge that you need to know to follow in their footsteps. If you've ever dreamed of making a life for yourself overseas, maybe working remotely or embracing long-term travel, retiring or studying abroad, or even just taking a peek inside life beyond your borders, you've landed in the right place. My guest today is Nicole Cava. She is the founder of a company called Avenue, which I'm really excited about because they are solving a problem that is near and dear to my heart, which is traveling the world with our pets. As many of you might know, I've been traveling for several years with my Siberian Husky Coda, and let's just say it's been problematic at times. And so I love that Avenue set out to make this easier on those of us that want to continue exploring, perhaps move abroad or live a bit more nomadically but we have animals and we tend to think that they can hold us back. Not just that, but uh, Nicole is also living the nomadic dream. She's living abroad in France, specifically in Lyon, and traveling quite a bit, all with her pup Coco. So we talk about all this. What's life like in France? What's life like in Lyon? Um, being a founder and living abroad and traveling a lot with an animal and all of these things. So a lot of the information that we want to get into here on About Abroad is practical and inspirational, and I think Nicole hits on both of those very, very well. So this was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoy. Please help me in welcoming Nicole to About Abroad. So uh, are you actually currently in France or I don't know, I'm actually not 100% sure. Do you split time between Europe and the US? Everywhere. I would say that I have a home base in Lyon, France, because this is where our stuff is. But we spent, like, even earlier this year, four months in New York, a month then in California, travels throughout Europe. Now we're actually heading to Singapore. So, yeah, like everywhere, but we have a home base in Lyon. So, that's probably why a lot of people question, like, wait, are you in Lyon? Like, is Lyon really your home? So, yeah. <laughs> It's that's like uh, that's kind of like the dream I think that a lot of nomadic types are sort of working towards. I mean, I would I guess kind of put myself in that. I'm not really that nomadic. I'm kind of living a bit nomadically this year, but I've been kind of like home basey, and I feel like that's where people yeah. are going. Like they want that like home base abroad, perhaps because they crave being abroad. But then like to kind of keep on traveling is was this the idea, or did it just kind of happen this way? Well, it just happened this way because before I actually moved abroad, I was working remotely. So at the time I was a technical product manager um, at Siemens. And so I was able to work remotely. That was really great because I got a first glimpse of, okay, working remotely. But then I always had my eyes set on, well, could I live abroad and what would that look like? And it wasn't until I came across like a certain visa that I could live abroad. And obviously everybody goes through this process of like, well, how can I go abroad? Like, what is the options? But I never necessarily thought that when I was going to be abroad, that I would be more out of the home than in the home. So I'm kind of like, I think that there's a transition of like you, let's say, 
work in office, then work remotely, then live abroad, and then look towards like full time travel or in between these two. And I'm kind of in between right now. Yeah, <laughs> I totally relate to that. Those transition phases, like almost precisely, exactly my personal story. Like, all right, I kind of have to be in the office. I'm not going to be in the office at all, but I'm still geographically bound. I got to travel more. Okay, actually, I just need location independence and just live wherever I want. <laughs> yeah. That's, a, yeah, that's how it, it progresses. And France, in particular, was that you don't sound French, so I'm guessing France is your abroad. What, like, how did that come to be? I'm I'm really curious. Yeah, I mean, I actually like to say that I didn't choose Lyon specifically. I like to say that Lyon chose me. And I, well, I wouldn't know why, but it's just to the fact that I didn't actually pick France nor Lyon, other than obviously once I found visa reason. But my husband and I, we went through this like process of like, well, where could we live? And, you know, I'm pretty sure a lot of people do this uh, of like, oh, what are the options? Where could we live? Even if you're talking about locally, like you tend to just go through this like discovery phase of where can you see yourself? Where do you like? What's your criteria? And so we did a lot of this planning because it's like really fun. And kind of, kind of addicting, right? <laughs> yeah, actually, now it's almost every night that we have yeah. this conversation, <laughs> um, which is terrible, but uh, and exciting at the same time. You know, we, we started this process and France actually wasn't on the list. We had looked at like Italy, maybe we go to Spain, maybe we go to um, the UK, like we were trying to figure out in Europe. So we specifically said, okay, where in Europe could we go? <laughs> But when it came down to actually finding the visa options, France was one of the easiest ones. And that was particularly because I came across a French tech visa. So super easy, super expedited. I mean, now there's so many other visa options you can consider. Like there's just tons. But at the time that was like, oh, well, this actually makes sense because I need to make sure that there's a tech community. I need to make sure that there's like, you know, some innovation in the ecosystem or just in the, the culture. And and that's kind of how we decided on France. So it was just like super random. <laughs> a couple years before that, what, I think 2017, my wife and I were going through the exact same process. And interestingly, I never came across this tech visa that you're talking about for France. So I've got some legit questions on this because somehow yeah. that never came across my... You know how my, it existed. Uh, yeah, oh, really? okay. yeah. yeah, it's, it's very new. So yeah, when I applied, I think it was only like the second year. Like the okay. first of the second so year, it. So it's super fresh. Like even in the uh, immigration world, like they don't even know about the visa. It's so like minimal. Um, you know, they don't get high volumes on it. So um, maybe now, like, but back then it wasn't. So yeah, the landscape's changed quite a bit, pretty rapidly. What's it called? Yeah. Like just, just so like if anybody. Yeah, can, so it's you know? called Passport Talon. Okay. Um, so it's like talent passport um, and then it's the innovation. So there's actually three. There's like if you're an investor, if you're a founder or if you're an employee of a startup. But I think it's like French tech visa website. You can just find it through that. Wow. Okay. Is there like not asking you to be a visa pro by any means, but like just bullet points? Is there anything in particular that they're looking for or that yes. you can, like advise people to have? Yeah. So if you're going as a founder, that's really what I would know. I don't know the other ones, but for the founder, it was like you needed the at least in your savings the minimum salary. So I think at that time it was like fourteen, fifteen thousand US. Then 
the other criteria was you had to have an idea, an innovative idea that was approved by an incubator in France. So you actually needed to be accepted into an incubator program. At the time, I think there was around 20 or so, because I literally applied for like all of them. <laughs> um, and then once you get approved, they give you this letter that you can now use for a visa to enter. And then you can get a four-year renewable visa. But the point is that you have an idea. It's more of the ideation stage. But every incubator is different. So there are some that are more later stage, like, okay, you need to have revenue, you need to have this. But the point is that you're bringing a company into France that will help stimulate the economy or that'll just drive more talent here um, because that's one of their initiatives. Got it. Yeah. Okay. That makes, that's a really smart scheme to, to get like talented young people in and, and yeah. hopefully they build flourishing businesses. I, I assume they eventually want you to like, you know, build, build the business there, pay taxes there and stuff. But that's... And Initially, they're just trying to get you. Of course they do. Yeah. (laughs) They're not doing it out of their kindness of their heart. Uh, Let's get that straight. (laughs) But but actually, I I really find that it's interesting. Their whole idea is that they have a lot of French talent that goes to the U.S. And then they build great companies there. And they're like, why can't we keep them here? And so that's basically why they're just trying to make sure, like, either they, they can start bringing back the talent that they let go, but, you know, just making sure that it's you know the the culture is more risk averse to the startup culture which is getting there but it's it's by no means like u.s standards does it i've I've talked to people other founders in that have moved from the u.s or actually when i think on it most of them are foreigners like non-us based people but they as founders feel this need to be in the u.s to kind of be in that environment of of Mm -hmm. around you know in the silicon valley environment kind of to put it in like the most stereotypical form, yeah. um, they feel like they're at a disadvantage if they're not there. Do you do you see any uh, like yeah. anything to that? Yeah, you know, I would actually say, so when I mentioned like I moved here, I thought, well, since it's a French tech program, you know, there should be some kind of ecosystem. And mind you, in the U.S., I started getting involved in the tech community um, in New York, in Atlanta. And yes, they're they're there. But when I arrived here, I noticed the, it's almost like a conflict of culture in terms of if you're in a start, this is how I define like a startup community or a community in general, there's a certain level of openness, whether it's an openness of just like being vulnerable to say, hey, I don't know, can you help me? Or another side of, hey, I know someone, I can help connect to you. And there's like this sense of help that you give to each other. I don't know how to explain it, but that's something that I don't find here in France. And and I would say that in some cases there's culture blocks because I think there's a very much private to the point of, oh, I found out how this works. I'm not going to share it with you because that's my secret sauce and it worked for me and I'm just going to run with it. And that doesn't work in a startup community. Like you want this like openness of like, oh my gosh, I failed, like help me. And also here is not very accepting of failure. Failure is not an op- like you can't fail, it's not an option. And the other thing is pivots don't exist the way that they do in the US. So I think that a lot of these things impact why people feel they should go to the US where it's very much more, or or even other um, startup you know communities. There is more openness of like, all right, it didn't work, let's try something else. Like, Let's go. Let's just make something work. So I would definitely say that that's 
That's really important. I am, I'm honestly lacking that. And that's probably yeah. why we have a discussion almost every night. I'm like, well, where's next? Where would we go? Because community is important. And whatever that community is for you, you should be true to yourself and finding out like, well, what do I really need? So that you can make sure you can either find or build the community that you're looking for. I think that's really awesome perspective and nice to have a, like a fresh coat of paint on this conversation because a lot of the discussion around moving abroad and starting companies is all about like celebrating the successes and the fun and the kind of like the Instagram version of, of life, you know, and, and there's some, yeah. there's a lot of challenges to consider. I, funny enough, I was talking with a British guy who was telling me pretty, very similar story to what you just told me. This was a few months ago, actually on the show. And we were talking about a conversation that we had both listened to called The Diary of a CEO with Stephen Bartlett. It's like one of the top mm. business podcasts in Europe. And, and he was interviewing the head, the CEO of this company called BrewDog, which is like a big craft, one of the biggest craft breweries in okay. Europe. So they're like the top craft brewery. And they're basically a startup. I mean, they're in the beer industry, but they're a, they're equivalent to a startup. They like a uh, really, really interesting story. Like they did crowdfunding to, to, to raise capital and, mm. and like got like private investors and stuff and anyway long story short he was referencing all of these same things saying like I'm competing against companies coming out of places like the US and he's like there they celebrate your successes and your failures there's this like mission to like but like when you fail it's like hey let's all let's all pick each other up and yeah it's competitive but it's like a, a, a community of competition and you celebrate the the sweat equity that's put in and whether you yeah. fail or succeed there's like a lot of vibrancy around that and he was like and I'm, I like that here he's got the guy in the interview saying like when I succeed people say like oh you're greedy you know oh now, now I'm a oh, man, it's terrible. <laughs> and, and so I, I see that a lot too and I, I mean I was just having a conversation with a German guy here I'm in Germany right now and he was telling me almost the exact same thing he was like you know they want the, the system here is designed for me to kind of like get in line be at the be at a big company and like not not go out and be entrepreneurial and so all of these things kind of work against me and so anyway, I, I find it really interesting because yeah. we love to talk about traveling and living abroad and all the cool things that come with it. But from a founder's perspective, like these are real things to, to consider. Definitely. <laughs> these are things yeah. that you'll continue to think about because also what you need right now may not be what you need later. And so when you're working abroad uh, or working remotely, you have to find out well, what are my needs right now? And if that means being very involved in a community, then maybe that's what you need. Or if it's like, hey, I can actually have a community that I build online, then and that's also really good. As a matter of fact, during the pandemic, I posted on Twitter, hey, you know, if any other solo founders want to get together every week, let me know. I actually then received a, uh, quite a few requests. And by quite a few, I mean like 10. <laughs> uh, and they, we started a Slack channel. I wanted to make sure that everybody was around the same stage. So everybody was either in like, not necessarily pre-sea stage, but past ideation. We had at least either um, had a first few customers or like, like on the verge of first few customers. And we've been meeting every single week on Fridays, like now for almost two years. And wow. you know what? That fulfilled the need that I had during that time. And that was the community that I needed. So sometimes you can find the community or build one in person where you're at, or you can live in a bubble like me and just do it online. And <laughs> it could still fulfill that need as a founder that you know you, you kind of want to feed off of. And there we 
talk about highs and lows, gives and takes, and we support each other along the way. And honestly, I feel like they're much better friends than I probably could meet in person. And I've actually met a few of them in person now. So like, it just, I don't know, it just feels like a family. And, you know, that's sometimes what you need. Yeah, I think sometimes you got to be really creative and proactive in, in lots of ways, right? Like when you've made the move out of your comfort zone and like you've lost your tribe, you've lost your, you know, your community or your, your home. I mean, you've changed so many core elements of your life. You have to get innovative and you have to, you have to kind of figure it out. There's, there's some fun in that. I mean, it's challenging at times, but it, it can be fun. And then like the fruits of that labor can be really rewarding. Like what you created there, you probably built these great deep relationships that you wouldn't have had if you hadn't left your comfort zone. So I find that that's kind of like often the end result, like there's some low points and then you figure out a way and like the end result is actually better than what you could have imagined when you started off on the journey a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Kind of also on that point of like where you decide to live. So, you know, just in in terms of the city or the country or the culture that you're kind of diving into is also just understanding like who is around and like what kind of people that you start meeting. For example, a lot of people that we meet, they have brick and mortars. And so the conversations and the energy level is very different. As a matter of fact, like when we're around uh, people that are just talking about their like, oh, well, we're going to close the shop. We're going to go away for a holiday for a month or whatever, all these things. It really does impact you. So in a way, that's why some people look for cities or even the U.S. or just somewhere else that has that energy. So there's community, but there's also energy and you can find energy in different ways. And I'm very much of an energy person. Like I, I feel and feed off of different energies. So if even if you find a place that maybe doesn't have the community, maybe has the energy. And so I would say like, look for those things. That's really, really good advice. It's, it's kind of interesting. We both found that energy in sort of like second tier cities. Um, like, you know, when people think of going to France, they probably think of Paris or maybe like Marseille or Nice or something like that. Like you found Lyon, which is a, a place that people know, but maybe on that second tier for me, it was like, you know, I went to Spain, went through the same process as you, by the way. Like I wasn't necessarily trying to go to Spain. I just found a visa that worked for Spain. I was like, oh, cool. I kind of want to learn Spanish. That would be fun. Let's do that. Um, And so, but anyway, I landed in Valencia, not like Madrid or Barcelona. So I don't know. I think there's like... It's just on my radar too, Valencia. I heard it's it's really amazing. Like, well, I won't share too much because I heard you don't want to like make it become too <laughs> no, no, go for it. Well, the same about Lyon. I mean, this is what a place like, so it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, but you haven't been to Valencia. I haven't been to Lyon. So maybe we can just have a conversation about that because I'm super, like I've heard like, for instance, Lyon is like the foodie capital of France. Someone told yes. me, I have no idea if that's true or not. Yes. It is. Yeah. I, I mean, everybody's taste in cuisine is very different, but yes, there's lots of restaurants, amazing food. There's like probably the most Michelin star restaurants like on every you know every block you can find something but I I definitely would say like the quality of food the appreciation for how it's prepared is very important here which I absolutely love because coming from the U.S. like this is garbage 
Um, <laughs> like, you know, everything. Yeah. So here it's, it's very protective of like from farmers, there's no pesticides, you know, there's, you know, how it's prepared. It's just very much part of the culture here. So I, I love that. It's also a very clean city. It's like a city town. They call it that because it's small. You can walk everywhere. The subway or the metro is super clean. They even have music there. Like, it's just nice. Everything is like very, very nice. But the energy is lacking in terms of like, <laughs> if you want to feel like go, 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 this is not the city. You go out and you're like, oh, I want to enjoy it because it looks so beautiful. So, you know, so that's where like, of course, work-life balance, but you got to make sure that, you know, place. I'm a city girl, so it's a little too slow for me. <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. The word that comes to mind is like pleasant, like a, a place like that. Like, again, I haven't been to Lyon, but it sounds like very, very pleasant. Like if you if you need to calm down a little bit, but you still want a little bit of a city, that's a, it's a nice, calming, pleasant place yeah. to go where you have good food. And it's like right there on the, like geographically, I mean, you're like, you're right there at the foothills of the Alps. So you could be in yes. the French Alps or the Swiss Alps. I mean, that's actually one of the benefits that they mentioned about Lyon is that you can easily be, at, you know, you can go to different lakes that are gorgeous and there's Ansi, Aix-les-Bains. You can go to the mountains. So you can easily like one hour, two hours, you can go somewhere. Whereas, for example, you go to Paris. If you want to go to Nice, you need to fly. If you want to go to the mountains, you need to fly because driving is going to be at least five hours. So, you know, it's like really good proximity. However, if you're looking for a really great international airport, not the best option. <laughs> not the best. Okay. I was literally going to ask you about that because um, yeah. that is, that is a, a thing that comes to my mind. Like, you know, it's not a place I would think to fly into. I'm I'm actually not too far from you right now. I'm in like, this, I'm near Annecy, or not near Annecy, sorry, near uh, the Alsace or Alsace. I don't know how you say it in oh, okay. France, okay. Um, in Germany. So right on the other side of the border. But okay. it's, so it's not, not too, too far. Anyway, I was looking at flights like from this region. And yeah, it's not super, there's not like a great way to get there by, by plane. If you're in Central Europe, by train, probably the best. Yeah. And it depends where you're going. So. Sometimes there is no option or like I was even looking at taking the train to go to Amsterdam for the conferences. I'm like, why am I going to fly? You know, let me just try to take the train. It was five transfers. Like, I know I'm going to fly. Like, I'm not doing five transfers. <laughs> yeah. So I would say, yeah, if, you're, if you travel frequently, which is now becoming our cases, like we travel a lot and you need to be at a certain place. You're not, you're not as flexible for travel, meaning like, well, let's just find where's a direct flight from Lyon. You can easily find that and just, you know, make your plans around that. But if you need to be like somewhere, like I go to conferences, it's complicated. Like there's always a connection. Yeah. In a lot of cases. Yeah. Yeah. That's worth, worth noting for sure. I think it's funny you talk about the energy. Like, so and I think the word that comes to mind for me is like the FOMO. Like you're, you're talking about like you wanted to be in France, you're in this nice place, but it has you thinking like, but I kind of want to be there too right and and you have that conversation with your husband like every night i can 100% relate to this doing the exact same thing and what we were looking for right now after 4 years in valencia which is a very energetic city people like they say in spanish like the people like live in la calle and like mm. they're you know people just like live in the street it's very it's almost like like we just like you say yeah ah vale no lo sabía <laughs> we, we should we your should. audience is going to learn Spanish so <laughs> yes <laughs> we should uh 
we should we should have tried this in Spanish. No, it would have gone gone poorly. But <laughs> but I mean, Valencia is like super energetic, right? Like the people live in the street. There's there we joke about it and call it like a reggaeton party. And like where we are now is a bit more like a symphony party or like a cocktail party or something. And so, oh, so my funny. my wife was really wanting a break from that energy. Like she was craving like something a little more you know a little more pleasant, which is why we're up where we are right now. So I think it's funny how you can kind of like you can start like when we went there we just loved that lifestyle and just like the, yeah. the frequent energy and are always something to do and late late evenings you know not like necessarily like partying but I mean like dinner lasts until midnight or one and, and it's long yeah. and fun and energetic and lots of that is around. so my type of energy like I think we yeah. should swap <laughs> yeah <laughs> it sounds like we should have um, and, and so it, it brought that's what dragged us up here and now like we've been up here for a few months and I'm like really, I was just back in Spain for a couple weeks or, or a couple weeks ago and I was like man I'm loving the like warmth and the sun and the people outside and the activity so yeah you just you want what you can't have and this paradox of choice is like kind of annoying <laughs> yeah and then also you know even what like I was saying like what you want now is different what you want later or as we're consistently growing as people like as we connect with other cultures we, you start picking up pieces from different cultures and it becomes part of who you are and so like you start you change like for example like even when we came here we we're coming from new york so okay it seems so cute like oh leona's so adorable like we love it it looks like a movie set you know everything is just like literally everything it looks like a movie set the whole city town and uh but now we're like okay but we prefer the city so like maybe we should find more energy again so it's like you 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 learn and you change and you find what works for you um as long as you're just open and honest with yourself because i think sometimes people do very drastic changes i've heard some people like oh you know i saw these movies and i wanted to live in the countryside and it seems so great like i want to go there and then they go there and are miserable but that's where you have to reflect on yourself like really what do you need or what do you want and not just just go with what seems adorable. Yeah. <laughs> this is so true too. Like so and I, I've seen people like uproot their entire lives to make that move happen and then get there like three months into it. Like this was a terrible idea. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I should not have done this. I think the good news is you can always revert back or more often than not you can revert back. But like yeah, I think dipping your toe in the water and maybe check, like figuring out if what the change that you think you need is what you actually need is is mm-hmm. pretty sound advice. Yeah. We'll be right back to the show after a quick break for a note from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by my good friends over at Greenback Tax. As an American citizen, I'm from one of only two countries in the entire world that requires I pay taxes on my global income, regardless of which country I'm actually living in. So when I started my expat journey back in 2015, I knew my tax situation was about to get complicated. Fortunately, I discovered Greenback and I've never looked back. Greenback is 100% focused on helping U.S. expats with their tax situation. And to date, they've filed almost 50,000 returns for nearly 15,000 happy customers from more than 200 different countries. After seven years working together, I can say with confidence that they make one of the most painful parts of life abroad an absolute breeze with their automated systems, friendly advisors, and expertise in the very specific niche of U.S. expat taxes. Also, for those of you who may have fallen behind on your taxes and or you're trying to get ahead of tax season in 2023, Greenback has your back here as well. They can assist with late filings to ensure you don't encounter any problems with the IRS and to make sure you start 2023 off right. Tax season is on the horizon. Learn more about Greenback today by going to greenbacktaxservices.com via the link in the show notes. 
Hey guys, so many of you write in asking how to support the show best. And if you are listening and made it this far into the episode, then I'm going to presume that perhaps you're one of those people that wants to help. So if that's the case, the best thing you could do right now would be to open up the app that you're currently using to listen to this episode. Go to the little arrow thing that allows you to share, select it and share it to one of your social media networks. That would be a huge, huge help. You can feel free to tag me at DC Warrington and I'll slap you a virtual high five from wherever I am in the world. Thank you so much for the support. We really appreciate it. And I hope you enjoy listening to the rest of this episode. So what's the cadence like right now for you? Like, uh, what does a, a year look like? Are you mainly in Lyon and travel, like little take little trips from there? Or are you kind of spending multiple months in different places? What does it look like? Yeah, right now, um, well, at least this year. So obviously we went through the pandemic. So like not very many options there. We just stayed uh, here in Lyon and we visited family once or twice. Now that things are picking up in terms of I need to travel for my startup to go to conferences and meet with customers is now we're trying to figure out planning travel around those conferences. So like I mentioned, you know, we spent earlier this year in New York. It was just a way to like reconnect and just be close to family after, you know, as the pandemic. And But now, literally a few hours ago, we were mapping out, okay, plan A, plan B. Uh, should we do one country a month? Should we do <laughs> one country three months? Like we are just talking about this, I'm telling you all the time, and then trying to figure out, well, maybe more intentional travel around these type of conferences. As a matter of fact, um, just earlier this week, I was connected with a full-time traveler, uh, and she's been traveling all around the world, um, I think since 2014, and one month, three months, different countries, and is now staying in place here in France. And she's like, it's just so different for me to set a home base and, you know, just like hearing her obviously sparked this whole now discovery again, because, you know, when you get a glimpse of somebody else, they give you a different perspective. And, you know, it was the whole concept of, do you need a home base? Like, is the home base actually practical for you if you travel so much? And we rent. So is there a better option than rent, you know, renting and having, you know, rental overhead versus, well, you're traveling almost full time why you know what would allow you to just consider traveling full-time like what does that make sense and you know so there there's obviously a comfort you have to think about uh, what we're thinking about like what do we really need to feel like we're not just like lost in travel and just like oh we have no place to go back to so yeah so, so it's really interesting like when you tune your ears to other people's experiences kind of helps paint the picture even better but definitely don't focus on just the best parts like yeah. also ask the bad parts because they're very true and I think a lot of people only focus on the good part and they're like no I'm gonna fit into that culture really well I'm gonna learn French really well like it doesn't seem that hard I took French in high school yeah okay you're gonna have probably the same blockers that I I have okay so it's just sometimes you have to take the advice that people are are sharing uh, or at least be aware of it yeah, yeah. Uh, it's out it, so it sounds like um the four of us just need to be having we're, we're already having the same conversation every single day so it sounds like we should just be like jumping on a conference call and and just helping each other through, we like, should just plan 
together. together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure there's other couples and, uh, that would be more than happy to do this whole, uh, I wrote it down as the Cabo World Tour. And uh, yeah. so. <laughs> I think you're right. I was joking with someone recently, like, we just need to, like, pick a place and say, hey, like, a bunch of, you know, remote workers and founders and, and people who are in this world. Hey, we're all going, like, 10 of us have decided we're going here. We're, we're not thinking about it. We're tired of talking about this every day. So we're picking Lyon, France, and we're just going there and we're going to have, like, we're all craving community. We're all craving, like, being abroad in a cool place. But, you know, we just need to pick a place and, and shut up and quit thinking about this because we're, we're spending yes. so much brain power on it. Yeah. That, we literally are writing the different countries because now, well, for, for me, now that I've lived in France, but my, my parents are from Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico. And so I'm like, but I have not fully lived as an adult in a Spanish-speaking country. And I'm finding myself obviously like presenting to customers in Spanish and all of them like, oh my God, like I have not been fully immersed into this. And and I'm like, you know what, that would be really great. Like why not see that side? Because obviously as you're sharing, like, you know, our, our cultures, or at least like I can say like a lot of the Latino cultures have very warmth and inviting like sense. And, and that's something that we don't get here in France. So we're like, mm-hmm. maybe we can try something like that just to see what to compare. So that's what's, the, what's the hesitancy? Like, or, or I don't know if hesitancy is the right word, but like it sounds like that's what you're kind of craving. And like Spain's just right down the road. Have you? Are you strongly yeah. considering that? Or what? I guess better way to ask the question: like, what's on the? Where's on the list? So actually, Spain's not on the list. The I would say, I mean, now because we've been in Europe, so I'm actually thinking of Latin America. Mm. And so I put a few. So I put like Argentina, Colombia, Mexico, or Brazil as options, or Dominican Republic, which for us was more of well, maybe we can go there and kind of set a home base there because no matter what, I will always want a place there because also my husband's from Dominican Republic. So we're like, okay, maybe that would make sense, have a home base there and then do full-time travel. So those are on the radar right now. They're on the list. We wrote it down. (laughs) Uh, I would say the conversation actually has been very new. It wasn't until maybe two months ago that I had started doing like presentations in Spanish and that's when it started like, maybe I should not do you know focus on european countries like maybe i can go to latin america and so that's so this is this is fresh but i would say it'll probably take another month just to like map out and decide like okay where because it would mean removing our current home base and you know as after you live somewhere for a while you're kind of like oh but i have my furniture and i have my stuff you know it's harder to get rid of everything i think in a foreign country i think but maybe it's not You know, you're speaking to someone who sold their house and now currently owns no property, but has two storage units on two continents and a van. Oh, man. Um, you know, it's uh, I've gone I've gone through that struggle. I understand it. Nobody's gonna feel sorry for you or I when you know when when we're having this discussion. But I just being real, like there is this sense of like, oh shit, do I have a home? Like like I have a storage unit. I have like these antiques that we are family heirlooms or a sofa or, yeah. or a mattress or whatever in a storage unit on the other side of the world but um, do I like do I have a home and like it, and then you start 
questioning yeah. like is it worth it to keep that stuff or should we just get rid of it it's been years there's a there's a weird attachment to to things and and then i think yeah. also i don't know if this is a uniquely american thing it's it's not for sure but i think it is kind of like uber ingrained in us with this like passion about your home like having a home which mm-hmm. we're told early on like you know buy a home invest in a home have a home and so i think there is something about that also like you you do feel like i'd be lying if you if i said you don't feel a little bit like homeless even though even if you're staying in a really nice you know like we rented an airbnb now for three months i lived in the same apartment in valencia for four years like you know i, I had a home by most people's standards but there is this sense of homelessness that that is sort of goes yeah. a little bit untalked about i guess so that is a that's a real thing worth worth considering yeah. like the nomadic lifestyle is fun and and very very exciting in a lot of ways but but that exists as well yeah. and that's where i feel like if there is a home base that is like really cheap <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. like where you're not really worried about a mortgage and that's why we're like well maybe Dominican Republic would make sense because we could actually get a home base with these things that are don't have to be stored in family's home and really it's not even a lot of stuff like actually I'm I hate having stuff I, I'm very much I either every quarter donate a ton of things or throw it away if I don't like seeing it I'm like throw it away I like I don't want to see it like so I hate clutter but there's still certain things that you want to keep you know yeah yeah, yeah, totally. I was going to say, you know, something I find funny that a lot that maybe a lot of people listening to, to this, they were excited to listen to this episode because you're a pro on the movement of animals around the world, which I, you know, like part of the reason we wanted to have this discussion is that's a big part of my story and my abroad journey as well, as well as like the fact that I've traveled with my big Siberian Husky all over the place. And that's been a real challenge and also like a grounding factor for me because it's kept me in a lot of ways like in one place. So his name's Coda, so I don't keep referring to him as it. And, and so I, what's, what's really cool is like, this is a thing that I think keeps a lot of people home. You know, I, I've heard it a million times. Somebody says like, oh, I would love to do what you're doing, but I have a dog or I have a cat and like, I'm just not going to do that. You're talking about all this travel and movement and doing it all with a dog and you're building a company that's enabling people to do that. So I'm kind of fascinated to like dive into this whole part of your, of your story. Like I want to hear the backstory. I want to hear about how you're what you're doing so let's let's start with the backstory about like how how this came to be like introduce what you do and then we'll we'll go from there yeah for sure so my startup avenue actually really started where we were focused on helping people relocate abroad that's really how it originated because obviously i moved abroad and and the logistics was something that wasn't very clear you know there's a lot of blogs there would be a lot of content out there but not really give people step by step instructions and so what we did was we actually would provide certain services to these people relocating and one of them was pet relocation and then we started finding out that the majority of people who were relocating abroad had pets so it just naturally intrigued me to you know get a license and to being an animal transporter to to learning more about okay how does this actually work but i didn't have a pet at the time so when we moved um to france we didn't have a pet and during last uh last year's christmas time we went to new york to spend time with family and the first day that we arrived, my husband surprised me with our now 
Soy Poodle, his name is Coco. And so it was completely like out of the blue. We had talked about getting a pet, specifically a dog. And just it was always, well, we don't have a backyard. We don't have a yard, so we shouldn't talk about it. And, and all of these things around like, oh, you should have a perfect scenario to have a dog. And I was like, come on, like you could have one. Anyways, we arrived in New York. My husband surprised me with the cutest little fuzzy, adorable poodle. And at that moment, we're like, okay, great. We need to figure out because in two weeks we were heading to visit my family and so immediately we had this pain point of okay like we need to get make sure he has all his vaccines we need to make sure we get him on a flight all these different things and that's really when we started I started feeling the pain point of my customers as like a customer than myself and that's when it became like you know obvious to me that this is what I should be focusing the startup on so we actually pivoted and all the ups and downs of a pivot. I mean, I could share that on another conversation, but just this whole emotional battle of like, but should you do it? Should you not? The facts and the numbers were there. It just meant that I had to pivot. So we officially pivoted and now we are a hundred percent focused on helping people travel and relocate with their pets. And the way we are doing that is by working with airlines directly. Like we are providing them the software that they need so that people who can't are traveling with their pet know how in the world it works because people are researching and, and there is all kinds of information online. Like it's, you could just go down a rabbit hole and still not know the process. So we're enabling people who travel with their pets by putting it with the airline. So if you're going to fly with your pet, now you can know, well, what vaccines are required for that country? How pet friendly is that country or that city? Is there a seat available for that flight? Does my pet actually fly on that through that airline? Like, does, is my breed species allowed? Is the weight requirement? All of this like super, super easy for you to find that out and book your flight. And then obviously we, we expand that to now you can buy accessories like crates and carriers and book pet-friendly hotels. So all of these things, but we're just giving it to the airline. So that's now what we've been focusing on. And obviously that's something that's super important to me because Coco obviously loves to travel. <laughs> like maybe more than me. I don't know. Like he loves it. As a matter of fact, he's more well-behaved in a hotel than here at home. Like here he has accidents. In the hotel, he's like, mm, perfect. <laughs> I'm like, what? He doesn't bark. Like we train him obviously like to leave him, you know, to not bark he you know plays and so like there's there's all these things that we just want to help the community of people who are either nomadic travel or relocate to know how in the world can you do that with a pet so that's what we're our mission is we're starting with airlines but you know eventually it will be more like hopefully b2c to help people just directly so uh, so it's so useful yeah. i mean it, it's such a painful process i've i had like a huge disaster happen that i feel like wouldn't have happened if avenue oh, no. existed at the time we were in ecuador with coda and we were trying to fly to europe and we bought a ticket we paid for everything booked an airbnb for like a couple months and like had everything covered and then found out that europe wouldn't allow europe considered spain or ecuador a high rabies country and so you couldn't okay, so fly directly yeah so we couldn't fly directly from ecuador to spain he had to go back and do like a quarantine period in the 
the U.S. and get like re-vaccinated and stuff. It was like yeah. crazy. And we, we didn't know all this. So like we ended up having, we would have lost like a ton of money if we wasted everything. So we had to just, I ended up flying back to the U.S. with them doing quarantine and then flying to Spain. It was like this huge thing over one yeah. line in a, in some documentation that was way outdated. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge pain. And there's like tons of little bullet points that you have to, like you have to cross your T's and dot your I's. And so anybody that's simplifying that process has a special place in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so it's super complicated for inter- so domestic or I'll just say US domestic versus international. Yes, the CDC is the one that creates higher um, rabies risk for rabies locations. And then then the country has their own requirements. As a matter of fact, there's countries that will say this breed is not even allowed. So it doesn't matter if the airline lets you. The problem is airlines are not checking if that country will allow. So they're leaving it up to you. And that's where we find that's the problem. The airline, just how they check passengers, hey, what's your passport? Can you actually fly to that country? They validate you as a person, but they're not doing enough for the pets. And that's why we are are working with airlines because they should be guiding you. You're flying with them. They should treat you as a passenger, your pet as a passenger, and they should have everything that's needed. Like exactly what documents, what is a timeline of things that you need? Hey, we actually highlight high risk for rabies or quarantine is 10 days or 12 days, uh, titer test, rabies, all these things, vaccine, vaccines that you'll need to go to that country. And so like all of these different, like very much business rules and logic, you know, is, is what we put first in the product. So you are not like, I got to read all this stuff or find it. You just know what you need to do. And yeah. that's how it should be. Yeah. Yeah. They, they warn, I mean, the airline will warn you about like your, you know, whatever it may be, COVID or visa or whatever, like as you're going through that process, there's pop-ups and stuff. But I mean, when you go to book a, uh, the ticket for a, an animal, it's, it's totally different. And often you have to like, like, I don't know if you've seen this too. Um, but like you have to like work with, in my case, like you have to work with the cargo department at an, yes. on an airline. So like now I'm booking a ticket for me via one platform, like I could book that online, but then Mm -hmm. I have to actually like call somebody and talk to the cargo department and make sure that there's space for him. And that, and Mm -hmm. like, like I even had one time, Nicole, where it's like, you would totally empathize with, I think we actually booked a flight with the cargo department on a flight. And then we got, we went to the airport a day before to make sure everything was okay. And they were like, "Yeah, yeah, everything's fine. And at the last second, somebody said, Oh, Hey, but what, what type of plane are you on? And I was like, I don't know. Like, let's look at it. Here's the, and they're like, oh yeah, the doors on that plane aren't big enough to fit your dog's crate on there. So I booked the right flight. I did every, but you're on the wrong size plane. And you're like, dude, it's terrible. Yes, exactly. Because you're not, and you shouldn't, you have to look up this information. That's already a bad customer experience. We actually take that into account. So actually airline and cargo department, they don't share the same data. As you see, they also use different systems. Ours is the first system that connects airline and cargo for animal transport. And the reason why is because airlines currently use a standard cargo system and they're just using the animal side. Animals are not cargo. Like our pets are not cargo. They should not be using the same system. 
So that's why ours is like, hey, these are people's family. These are their pets. Like, here's all the things that need to be accounted for. But yes, we actually look at aircraft restrictions, journey restrictions. If there's stopover, layover restrictions, the airline sets all of their parameters. So when you actually go to just search your flight, you can book your flight for yourself, your pet if it's in cabin, or your pet that's in cargo at the same time. So those are all things that, yes, like our whole system is really a full uh, system for airlines just around pet transport. And and those are the things that a lot of people don't think about. So. Wow. So, okay. So can I use, would I use Avenue as a customer or would the, um, like with the airline, the airlines like kind of using your software? Yeah. So we, so we actually sell the um, software to the airline and that means that anyone that's booking a reservation for a pet would be using our software. So if you're flying with that airline, you would be using our system. Yeah. Oh man, I would be uh, they should come up with some kind of like frequent flyer thing for this yeah. demographic of people so that uh, so because we're I'm talking I'm about it. Yeah, that's, a, exactly. I, that's an awesome idea, right? Because like I would be very loyal to that airline. Like there's different reasons people are loyal to different products. Um, the ones that adopt that and make it easy. It's literally a reason like this is a, a legitimate reason why I don't have like a home base in the US and a home base in Europe. I like living. I could live in both places, yeah. but we've kind of had to choose because we're just going to be we're not going to fly him in cargo uh, yeah. around or back and forth across the Atlantic so we're not going to end up spending significant time in, in two different mm-hmm. places um, yeah. so anyway somebody who's making that yeah. easy is, is uh, yeah. I, I, I love it yeah thank you yeah it's been very exciting this is why I travel a lot now even more it's just making sure that you know we, we onboard these airlines and, and they see the value they understand because obviously they have a pain point on their end so yeah we're, we're here to solve that problem and and hopefully you know in the next months or year like people could easily then travel with their pet there's also an unrealized market there's people that want a pet but they don't have a pet because they think about travel but if it's not that difficult and we can solve that that means that they can have a pet and they can enjoy their pet and they can have them with them when they travel or when they relocate and um and we can improve that process but uh, especially when it comes to cargo yeah yeah 100 true i i also i was going to ask you on like the growing market thing this whole like future of work that the, the the changing landscape of remote workers do the airlines recognize that like like i think this is a key part of that demographic of the potential market for them is is people who have these more more traditional lives but they want to go now they can go and they can spend three months in in france and so they're going to want to take that that piece yeah. of their life with them do they do, do you think that resonates with them i think that airlines are trying to look at the passenger journey, but I think that they're looking at numbers and they're not always as focused on well, what does the user persona look like? I don't think that they're looking at it that way, but I think that they're starting to. As a matter of fact, there's actually a conference that's coming up uh, that is about the passenger journey. So I think that airlines are now saying, okay, let's let's step back from the data and let's just actually look at the customer journey. Like, what do they need? For example, like when you're traveling somewhere and it's an international country do you have a sim card you know there's a great company that i know um simtex they're like working with airlines so that you can actually get your sim card immediately you don't have to purchase a physical one you don't have to do anything it's just like super simple like you just enable it so like those are different things like now okay what do you need next when you arrive what do you you know wi-fi what do you need like 
So I think they're starting to think about that a little bit more. Obviously, we are targeting those who are in charge of these programs so that they can actually like start emphasizing on like a lot of your customers have pets or live animals. So we do cater to pets and live animals and Mm -hmm. service animals. So it could be even equestrian, it could be livestock, lab animals as well. So any of those, like we are, you know, working with a specific organizations and bodies to to improve that whole process. You know, you mentioned the other animals, which is very important to distinguish there uh, because that's, that is really important. It's the thing that's always really funny to me when you read the documentation on moving pets around an animal that's always mentioned is ferrets. Like, and I'm like, I don't know that many people would have ferrets, but like, um, but that's one that's, that's always in there. Yeah. 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 And yeah. and there's obviously every airline has different policies. So like which ones they allow and, and how they allow them. And, and so, yeah, that's an airline cool. specific thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh yeah. Airline specific, country specific, like origin and destination and different airports have different stuff. There's so many things to consider. And, and I, I think it's like on a kind of like serious note, it's really important for people who are considering doing this to like really take it seriously because it's a pretty the, the travel bit especially if the animal's going like under as cargo um like yeah it's it's air conditioned it's climatized um but it's a terrifying like terrible experience. like it can be really traumatizing yeah. and so like you want to i don't know i think yeah. it's worth mentioning like you want to put the extra effort into ensuring a, a good experience for, for yeah. them it's all possible like don't let this stop you from your abroad journey and, and moving to that foreign place that's calling to you you can work around it and do it there's cool tech mm-hmm emerging to to enable this but like but take it seriously and don't just like wing it you know yeah yeah absolutely and and do whatever you can to prepare your pet you know i think a lot of times people are so focused on okay there's going to be a trip coming but you know are you preparing your pet in, in the crate or their kennel you know get them familiar with like loud noises or something there's also things like anxiety supplements there's also tracking collars that'll also just show you like their health so all of these different things that can help improve you know that that could help you just prepare um but yeah, yeah. there's 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 things we're working to see how we can streamline that whole process yeah <laughs> yeah awesome i appreciate what you're doing i think a lot of pet owners and uh, that, that venn diagram where you have pet owners and nomad types or people who like to spend time abroad people those of us that live in that middle section of the venn diagram really appreciate what you're doing and i love following uh-huh. the work and you're you're embracing that whole build in public thing which which I think is cool and talking about your failures, successes, the pivot, all of that. So, you know, watching from a distance, it's been a lot of fun. And this has been really cool to, to hear more about your, your personal story. So really thanks yeah. for, for stopping by. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for sharing too, like your own uh, journey as well. You know, that's, that's what, that's what we, this podcast is for, right? Everyone who's hearing, you know, either you're on the verge of starting to work remotely, whether it's with a company, as a contractor, or starting your own, you know, projects. Like, there's a lot of us that are here to help you along the way. Like, if you have questions, you know, reach out. I know personally, you can, anyone can reach out to me on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'm very active there. I'd be more than happy to assist. And, and sometimes you just need like that extra boost of confidence obviously you're going to um map out and plan out what makes sense for you but you know a lot of us have gone through this journey and we're there to help support and that's what the community is about so you know thanks for allowing this platform to help inspire the next generation of of you know remote workers or nomads and um, there's a beautiful world out there to explore take advantage of it if you have the opportunity it'll change your life forever 
100% agree. And, it, and it's a lot more fun with your, your quote unquote family. Like if your furry friend is your, is a, if you consider he or she your family. <laughs> of course like, it is. It's a, it's a lot more fun. You mentioned, you mentioned Coco is a, a, a little, you know, like a little world traveler. Like Coda's got his passport and we we're bouncing around and he's, he's checking out different places around the world. I, I like to joke and say that he's living the dog dream. My, my wife reminds me, he probably just wants like a backyard and routine, but I'm like, yeah, whatever. No, he's. No, they love it. Italy today. He's cool. <laughs> no, I mean, they're so excited to explore. Actually, well, we went to Sicily for a week. He loved it. He was like in the Mafia Museum and he was here on the beach and he like all these amazing things. And then we come back and it was so funny. We're like, he legit looks depressed. Like, he's like, oh, we're back. Same block. I've smelled this block like a million times. So, you know, it, it's actually exciting for them. They're they're experiencing new smells, new environments, new animals. Like, yeah, I'm sure yeah, they, they like love to explore it. Too. <laughs> I like to think so. We're on the same wavelength. I, I, I'm adopting your story. So, yeah, thank, <laughs> thanks again, Nicole. I'm going to let you get out of here and, um, and, and really appreciate you sharing the story. Real quick, before you go, where can people follow along? We'll put all these links in the show notes, but just while people are listening, we can, we can let them know where to find you and learn more. Yeah, so you can find me again, like on Twitter or LinkedIn, Nicole X Cava. Um, so you can find me there. And um, also you can follow along Avenue, um, which is spelled A-D-D-I-N-U-E. Uh, we have our also our Twitter and LinkedIn and a few social channels. Um, so you can connect with us. But happy to connect with anyone who's planning their journey. Um, and best of luck. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. I look forward to watching the, the adventures of Coco around the world. Uh, <laughs> and and, and you tagging along as well. So thanks again. We'll, we'll see you soon. Thanks, Chase. Thanks for tuning in today from wherever you are in the world. Once again, I'm Chase, and this has been another episode of About Abroad. For those of you wondering how you can best support the show, I have made it super simple for you. Just go over to the show notes of the episode that you just finished listening to and click on one of the two following links aboutabroad.com slash newsletter to get our monthly newsletter, no spam, guaranteed, or ratethispodcast.com slash aboutabroad, where you can quickly and easily leave a review for the show. It's not just important to me, it also helps more wanderers just like you find us. Finally, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, and we will see you again next week. Thanks again. Hasta luego, amigos.